0: Shut up, and sit down. You're listening to The Bridge. Keeping you connected with all things sports. Here's your host, John Lund. Hello everyone, you're listening to The Bridge, keeping you connected with all things sports. I'm your host, John Lund, the multimedia sports enthusiast, bringing you this podcast. The NBA playoffs are finally here. It'll be a while before we have a champion, but we'll take a look at that and whatever else I happen to have up my sleeve on episode 6 of The Bridge. But before we get into that, who would have thought, I would be starting out a sports podcast on this beautiful April 19th Sunday night with Tim Tebow as the leading topic, a guy who's been out of the league for the past two years and has taken on a pretty creative role as a sports broadcaster for the SEC Network, and he's done some things with ESPN to keep his beautiful face still in the limelight. Tebow mania has returned. And it couldn't have come at a better time than for 2015, because every year should have Tebow Mania with it. And I thought we had seen the last. As a Denver Broncos fan, I was in the crux of the Tebow Mania celebration. We remember those glorious days when he was a Denver Bronco, leading the team to the playoffs into the wildcard game. In 2011, after leading Denver to a seven and four record as quarterback, beat the Steelers in overtime in that wild card game, sent the crowd at Mile High Stadium into a frenzy, myself included, though I wasn't at the game. Still, got very excited about that 80 yard touchdown pass to Demarius Thomas, even though Demarius Thomas did all the work. Tebow mania. The man knows how to win games. So it broke a little bit earlier today that he would be signing with the Philadelphia Eagles tomorrow on Monday for a one-year deal. He went and tried out for them in March and they just wanted to bring him aboard to make sure that he would have enough time to work out with the other quarterbacks and basically pretend that he's a member of the team for now. They didn't want to bring him in later. Chip Kelly must have plans for Timothy Richard Tebow. If there was any coach in the NFL That you wouldn't really be surprised that would sign Tim Tebow, it would of course be Chip Kelly, who has a complete mind of his own and is trying to just take complete control of the Eagles as their Dark Lord and really work whatever plans he has in mind with no one else's help at all and have full reign of that team and franchise. What's interesting about this deal is we know Chip Kelly really likes to have fun on offense, does a lot of option stuff, and he might have Tim Tebow all over the field. He could have him running, he could have him throwing, which hopefully he doesn't because in his career I think his percentage of throws was 47%, so he wasn't even throwing over 50% as an NFL quarterback. But that's all right. The man wins football games. The man wins football games, and if there's any team that needs wins, it's the Philadelphia Eagles because they're not, of course, a bottom-of-the-barrel team, but you wouldn't know that based on its fan base because they expect to win the Super Bowl every year, and as we know, the magic number of Super Bowl victories in the state of Pennsylvania in the town of Philadelphia is zero, which is great. I don't mind that at all. So as I mentioned, Tebow's been out of the league since 2013. The man's 27 years old, so he's he's running out of time, if you will, as far as the NFL standards go for how old you are. So if it does anything, it at least brings some early interest into what Chip Kelly is going to be doing with the Philadelphia Eagles before the NFL draft which is going to be another exciting night for Eagles fans and NFL fans to see what he decides to do as far as drafting a starting quarterback. So, of course, there's been a lot of talk of if he's going to trade up for draft picks and try to get Marcus Mariota or trade among teams to see if he can get another quarterback to work into his system. I have no idea what the hell he's going to do. All I know is Tim Tebow is going to be back in the National Football League, and I couldn't be more excited for him to see what he's going to do for that team. And of course, we have no idea. It might be a complete bust. He might come in for like three plays a game, if that. He might be there to take stats. He's probably a great statistician. He was a great color commentator as far as a broadcaster was concerned and really seemed to know the game and knew of the teams that he was covering in college and knew the coaches and even knew some players. So it would be a shame to see him out of the booth with his youthful smile and spiked hair, and six-pack abs. Oh, Tim. Oh. But anyway, it was exciting enough for me to be able to start this podcast off with Tim Tebow news because I never thought I would be lucky enough to be behind the mic when that was something relevant. Real quick, another NFL news. A couple other things happened this week. Aaron Hernandez, the former Patriots tight end, was found guilty of first-degree murder of Odin Lloyd And sentenced to life in prison without parole. Now, the Aaron Hernandez case hasn't really been something that I've been keeping tabs on just because it's been dragged out over what seems the past two years. And there hadn't really been any new things that came up with the case. It took the jury, I think, six days or so, 30-plus hours of deliberation to finally come to this verdict. He also has a double murder trial that he's going to have to be a part of as well for something that happened way back in, I think, 2007. As far as the Patriots are concerned, they will get back the money that they owed him. Aaron Hernandez will lose the $19.5 million he would have been paid as far as his salary was concerned from 2015 to 2018 and he also will lose the salary from 2013 and 2014 so if anything the pagers made out and the family of Aaron Hernandez his fiance, not going to make anything from that because they're going to get all their money back in return for what was a lost investment I believe when they gave him a five-year deal was worth 40 million dollars there was of course incentives involved and that all went to nothing And this was a guy for the Patriots. If you remember, 2011, the team ended up going to the Super Bowl, losing to the Giants 21-17 in that close game. But between him and Rob Gronkowski as a dual tight end force, the Patriots' offense seemed to be unstoppable in a way. And after they won the Super Bowl this year with Rob Gronkowski kind of leading the way for them, just imagine what they would have been able to do had he stayed out of trouble and stayed on the team up until this point. It would have been very difficult for defenses to contend with two big tight ends like that. Nine times out of ten, when these things happen, everybody around the situation is always baffled and has no idea how a person could do this, and that wasn't something that they could expect from X person and That's just how it goes. You can't really know everything about a person. You just have to hope that they're able to use their abilities on the field and keep whatever happens off of it off the field and they don't get into too much trouble and are able to produce on your football team, which is a great segue, of course, to Adrian Peterson, who was reinstated back into the NFL on Friday after his child abuse scandal got him suspended from the league for an entire season. This is, again, another story that you just kind of lose interest on after time. It's like, well, wonder what's going to happen with Adrian Peterson. What's he up to? Is he still beating his other children with small sticks? Hopefully not. But the Vikings will be happy to have him back on their team if he does come back to their team because when Adrian Peterson's name has been mentioned in the past several months, It's how much he doesn't like how the Vikings didn't really support him when he was going through this. He wants to play for another team. The Vikings say they want him back, but they've been wishy-washy about it. I think they're just trying to get as much for Adrian Peterson as they can in the future. So there's a lot of different teams that I'm sure would love to have him as their running back He is getting a little bit up there in age, but because he missed a season, he won't have as many miles as some of the other running backs in the league, and I don't think he's going to lose too much of a step when it comes to him getting back onto the field and being the great running back that we know he's capable of being. All right, so that's it as far as NFL news is concerned. It's the middle of April, which means we are getting started with the NBA Playoffs. But it also means that you still don't have to pay much attention till the end of May or the beginning of June because these are the longest playoffs in the history of sports. It just seems like it goes on for days and weeks and months. And dear God, just get us there already. Sweet Lord above, get us to the finals. These seven-game series are brutal, especially in the first rounds when teams should easily just beat their competition, and it's almost like you would hope you could just simulate the game and press X and have the computer generate the victor so we could just move these things along and get to exciting games. Because at least for this season and for a lot of seasons in the past, the West Conference has again... Deemed itself worthy as being the best conference in the National Basketball Association, at least as far as having the better teams in its conference. Teams in the East, especially the 7th and 8th seeds that had the gall to make the NBA playoffs, which we'll get to in a couple minutes, do not deserve to be playing at this stage. But unfortunately, the top eight get in for each conference. And every year it seems like we can make a case for two or three teams that should be in the playoffs based on their record and based on what they did in the regular season. But alas, that's not how it works. Which to me is something the NBA has to look into and probably make some changes to in the future. And I think that that's something they're going to do eventually. It's just a matter of how many times are you going to do something like this until you decide to change it. The same, of course, can be said... For the NFL, there's been some years where seven and nine teams or eight and eight teams end up making the playoffs because the top team in the conference gets an automatic bid and sometimes home field advantage, which is just blasphemous, as Stephen A. Smith would say but that's not what we're going to be talking about. Let's go over the teams that got in, the teams that are not in, and we'll see where we stand after game one of the playoffs. The only game that has yet to finish is the Clippers and Spurs game. So I'll leave that to the end and try and throw in a final score, or at least a score close to the end of the game. So you can get that update that I'm sure you're so desperately searching for because the West is the best conference Let's start over there. We have the one seed Warriors. By far the best team in the league this season. They finished the year with a sixty-seven and fifteen record under head coach Steve Kerr, who took over last year for Mark Jackson, who in a way was kind of run out of town. I guess I mean a lot of people weren't sure if that was the decision they should have made to get rid of him so early into his tenure there Steve Kerr in his first year of coaching of course played under the best basketball player of all time and Michael Jordan and made one of the most important shots in finals history when Michael Jordan decided to pass him the ball against the Utah Jazz late in the game he's wide open boom. Sorry, I got a little excited. I used to be a Bulls fan, and then Michael Jordan left, and that was it. I was just a Michael Jordan fan. Didn't really care much about the Bulls. Here we are. Anyway, uh, the unfortunate part for the Pelicans. The Pelicans, of course, with NBA superstar Anthony Davis, who is 21, I believe, right now. And you may remember him for his unibrow, which he still refuses to shave. He's going to definitely be one of the best players in the league in the upcoming years, if not one of them already. He has the task of trying to lead the Pelicans who have a roster of those he's still in the league type of guys. Honest to God, I couldn't even tell you who else is on the team. I was going to write it down, but that's how unimportant it is for me to tell you who else is on the Pelicans. What can I say? The Pelicans have a 92% chance of losing the series, and they're off to a bad start after losing game one. But good for them for getting in. They were given that ultimatum that Coach Boone was given in Remember the Titans of, Hey, uh, if you don't win all your games and then win the league title, you're gone, brother. Sorry you moved your whole family here and started coaching in a mostly white populated neighborhood and had to integrate this football team. What can I tell you? You don't win games. Hit the road, Jack. Not to spoil the ending of one of the best sports movies of all time. But they did win that title. The Pelicans' management was given that same ultimatum. Head coach Monty Williams and the GM were told, hey, uh, make the playoffs or you're gone. So luckily for them, they got into the playoffs. And by doing so, they needed to win their last game of the season. And Anthony Davis scored somewhere around 35 points. And they ended up pulling out the victory. Had they lost... They would have been out of the playoffs and we wouldn't have seen the Pelicans movie as a type of Remember the Titans part two, which could perhaps be coming to theaters near you, depending on how these playoffs pan out. It's not looking good for the sequel, but hey, you never know. Sports is sports, right? And it's a shame for the Thunder, who were plagued by several injuries and Two of the injuries to their major players, one of which MVP Kevin Durant, who had foot issues. And I mentioned in an earlier podcast that he was going to have surgery and declare himself out for the season. And who knows how long it will take him to get back to form when next season comes and Serge Ibaka was also injured. Their big men down in the post, basically making their big three a big one in Russell Westbrook, who, in my opinion, is the best point guard in the game, though he's not necessarily the best passing point guard. He can carry a team on his back and easily lead a team to victory just by what he does on the court. For the Thunder, there were a lot of games this year where he would score 40-plus points, sometimes 50 points, and they would still lose. So that just goes to show you that the injuries really killed them and they almost made it to the playoffs. And of course, almost only counts in horseshoes or hand grenades or, hey, I almost took that girl home from the bar, but left me a couple more minutes to get another beer before last call. I don't know if that's on the list, but we're going to go along with it anyway. Westbrook ended up winning the scoring title this year. I think he had somewhere around 27 or 28 points per game. And when they asked him after they found out that they wouldn't be making the playoffs, how it felt to win the scoring title, he said, it's shit because I'm going to be sitting at home while everyone else is playing in the playoffs and he's right. I mean, it is shit to win that and not make the playoffs. What what difference does it make if you win a scoring title? The main goal is to at least get to the postseason. So unfortunate for him that they were unable to do that. Also unfortunate for head coach Scott Brooks, who's been on the supposed chopping block for the past several seasons. Now, this isn't necessarily the best season to review him on because, like I mentioned, I think those three, Ibaka, Durant, and Westbrook, ended up missing 82 games total or 85 games, which is a whole NBA season. But previous years up to this point, it just hasn't been working out. So it seems like what they have to decide is, are we going to win an NBA Finals with Scott Brooks? And the answer is probably no. Are we going to win an NBA Finals with Durant and Westbrook? You would hope so, but supposedly Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook really like Scott Brooks. So one more year of happiness, and then maybe we'll bring him back again so you'll stay and you won't go to, like, L.A. or you won't try and go play for somebody else. Maybe that'll work. I just don't think that's a good idea. I don't know who you would bring in to be the new head coach, but I think something needs to change in Oklahoma City especially when Durant and Westbrook are coming close to having to decide if they want to stay or if they want to go. And obviously, for the Thunder, they want them there. But anyway, getting back to the Warriors-Pelicans game... Golden State ends up just shooting lights out in the first half, and it looked like it was going to be a blowout. They end up getting that big lead early, and then the Pelicans chip away a little bit and end up cutting into the lead significantly and only lose by 7, 106-99. Steph Curry, who was also in the running to be possible MVP, One of the purest shots I've ever seen. Quick release. He can dribble around and make these ridiculous acrobatic shots. It's amazing to watch. Finishes with 34 points. Anthony Davis had a pretty great game for it only being his first playoff appearance. Finishing with 35 points. The problem was he was held in check for most of the first three quarters and only had 15 points up until the fourth. And by that time, the Warriors were just kind of having fun and chucking up shots and trying to make dunks and get the crowd excited. And the Pelicans are like, oh no, we still have a shot. Not really, but he ends up with a nice line. It wasn't necessarily a great game, but they're going to take the win regardless. And I mentioned for the Pelicans how I don't know anybody on the team. I do know a couple guys on Golden State. You know, they got Draymond Green. They've got Clay Thompson, who works great with Steph Curry and is probably one of the best defenders in the league. They've got Andrew Bogut. They've got Andre Iguodala, etc., etc. The Pelicans, I don't know, Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday, as the 76ers announcer used to say his name. But anyway, Warriors take a one game to nothing lead over the Pelicans, and it looks like they're not going to have any trouble sweeping this series or at least losing just one game. I don't see them having any trouble advancing to the next round. And I mentioned James Harden being the other MVP candidate in the league. He plays for the Houston Rockets, who finished the year 56-26. and 26. They're going up against the Mavericks, who finished 50-32. and 32. You've got a former MVP candidate in Dirk Nowitzki playing out his last couple seasons, but he can still shoot lights out. The Rockets have been plagued with injuries as well this season, which makes the case for James Harden to be MVP that much more outstanding or worthy because Dwight Howard who went to Houston after not being able to play with Kobe Bryant and being a bitch in LA he goes over to Houston but he ended up missing 50 games this season with injuries and James Harden had to put the team on his back basically to get them that two seed and get them into the playoffs and he's had some awesome games this season Finishing with 30-plus, 40-plus points, he's been a joy to watch. And there's rumors that he's been playing defense. I don't know if I've seen that yet, but there's rumors. Unfortunately, though, for the Rockets, they're also without Patrick Beverly, who was nice to fill in to the point guard role and give James Harden a little bit of a breather here and there. But he didn't have to do too much in the opening game. The Rockets win 118-108. to 108. And the Mavericks didn't play too poorly. They got Dwight Howard in foul trouble, which really limited the Rockets' offense. And they were in the game going into halftime. It's unfortunate that they didn't win because it's kind of like, how could you play any better and still not beat them? So they're in a lot of trouble as well. A lot of people were thinking that the Mavericks would be an upset of Houston if there were to be any in the West. I can kind of see it. I mean, never count out Dirk Nowitzki because he could still shoot. He had a great game as well. I just think the Rockets are going to have enough James Harden, really use that home court advantage to their advantage, and come away with the series win. I don't know if it's going to go six or seven games, but it could, definitely. It should be an interesting series. There's a lot of things going on with, of course, Rajan Rondo as the starting point guard for the Mavericks. And if he's going to be able to lead the team and Amari Stoudemire still in the league, God bless his soul playing for the Mavericks. So we'll see what happens. I got the Rockets in that one. Then we have the Grizzlies and Trailblazers. The Grizzlies went 55 and 27. The Trailblazers 51 and 31. The Grizzlies swept the Blazers in the four games they played this season, which doesn't bode well for Portland. And the statistics don't really stack up for them either. Portland really loves the three. The Grizzlies are more of a post team. They're actually ranked number one in the league for points in the paint. You know, they got Marc Gasol and Zach Randolph and other people. The Blazers, on the other hand, remember last year, they had Damian Lillard doing his thing, making game-winning shots, kind of rejuvenating that team to get them back into the good graces of their fans but they lost game one, 100 to 86 against the Grizzlies. So it's, it's kind of like old hat. You expect Memphis to basically just roll over them. Statistically, they actually have shot better from the three against the trailblazers, which isn't good when the only thing you're really good at is shooting threes. So LaMarcus Aldridge, I think, had 35 points. He had a good game. But between him and Damian Lillard, they combined nine for 29 from field goals in the first half. Not good. Not good. So just based on that, I think the Grizzlies are going to win this series. They're a team that has some pretty good players in the starting lineup. They're always there when the playoffs start, but they can never just get over that next hump and do anything when it's of relevance. So I think they're going to win this series. They might win the one after that. But I don't see them winning in NBA Finals. They just don't have enough star power to do so. They have a lot of solid players, but they don't knock you on your back. But I think they're at least going to win this series against Portland. And even though I don't have the final score yet, I'll talk a little bit about the Clippers-Spurs series, which is probably the best on-paper series as far as... It's really a toss-up as to who could win this thing. The Clippers are the 3-seed and the Spurs are the 6-seed. The Spurs, of course, could have clinched the second seed had they won the final game of the season, but they didn't, and now they have to play on the road. They don't get home field advantage, and I think that's going to hurt them in the long run, even though they finished the regular season winning 21 of their last 25 games, so not too shabby there playing good basketball at the right time, something Greg Popovich, their head coach, always has them do. He's been known to rest players throughout the season, and people don't like that because the fans pay money for those seats and you're depriving them of seeing Hall of Fame players. I don't know who that was in the background there, but uh, you get where I'm going with that. But, I mean, half their starting lineup is old. Tim Duncan's old. Manu Ginobili's old. Tony Parker's old. Tim Duncan's still a great power forward. Tony Parker's still a really good point guard. Manu Ginobili, even though he's lost his hair, at least on that one little circle on the back of his head, can still shoot. But you have to rest those guys. And then rely on Leonard, who was last year's finals MVP, to carry the rest of the load. He's a great defender, He's established himself into a great shooter. They've got Danny Green, who stands in the corner all game and waits to get open to shoot threes, but he usually makes them. So they still have a decent lineup for these playoffs, and it might not necessarily hurt them as much that they're not going to be playing on their home floor should the game go seven. The Clippers, on the other hand, have been, I guess you could say, a disappointment. They've had pretty solid players for the past several seasons. None more popular than point guard Chris Paul, who is always leading the league in assists and can shoot, and he's just a great player, but they haven't made it past the second round of the playoffs since he's been on the team. Along with Paul, you've got guys like Blake Griffin, who's also great in the post. You've got DeAndre Jordan, who seems to dunk at least 10 times a game. The unfortunate part for them is he can't shoot free throws to save his life. So if the game gets late, they're going to follow him if he's in the game. They kind of risk the rebounding aspect if the Clippers and Doc Rivers were to take him out. But as I just said, Doc Rivers is their head coach, has been to many playoffs. He's won NBA championships. He knows how to coach teams, so he might have some tricks up his sleeve. I'm not saying that one of the tricks is his son, Austin Rivers, even though he's a Duke alum. I don't really see him having too big of an impact who could have a big impact is another Duke alum, my boy, J.J. Redick, who was my favorite Duke player of all time and probably one of the only players to ever play a Duke that my father can recognize by face. So there's that. You've got Crawford as well as a point guard that can cause problems for the Spurs. We'll see what happens. I'll throw in a quick update here. At the half, the Clippers are ahead of the Spurs, 49-43. So as I mentioned, it's going to be a close series. It could easily go seven. I really want to give the advantage to the Clippers just based on them being a little bit younger, and it just seems like they're due to have a good series against a very legitimate team. The Spurs aren't a team to count out, even though they're declining a little bit as far as their dynasty is concerned. They've been one of the best teams in the NBA in the past two decades. So you can't take anything away from them there and don't believe that they're not going to give the Clippers a run for their money. They're probably going to win their home games. It's going to be a matter of taking one on the road. Will they be able to sweep it home? Those are questions that will eventually be answered. But I like the Clippers just a little bit more, and I'll say it. It's for J.J. Redick. What can I say? Don't let me down, J.J. Don't let me down. All right, so we're done with the West. We'll move over to the horrendous East, which basically just has one team that's probably going to come out of there, and that's whatever team LeBron happens to be playing for this season. But they're not actually the number one seed. The number one seed went to the Atlanta Hawks, who finished the season 60-22, and 22, and they got to play the Brooklyn Nets, who finished the season 38-44 and 44 and had no business making it into the playoffs The first game of the series, the Hawks were able to win, 99-92. A little bit too close for comfort if you're a Hawks fan. I mean, both teams don't have very good defenses, and the Nets were able to cut the lead to three in the third. Then Atlanta went on a 17-4 run. The big thing for Atlanta is they don't really have that star player on the floor. They have five really decent players, and they've, of course, been compared to that 2004 Detroit Pistons team that won the finals with no names in a way, but they weren't no names. They had legitimate players. Among them, of course, Rashid, ball don't lie, Wallace. That's where the Hawks are this year. They don't really have that guy that jumps out at you. Kyle Korver, who's just a token white three-point shooter, isn't going to get you 40 a night But he's going to get you several threes. He's going to shoot 11 like he did in game one and make five like he did in game one. I don't know if that's his actual average, but he's going to shoot his threes and he's going to make some, especially when he's home. So the Hawks were able to survive game one. An unfortunate thing for the Nets, as I mentioned, an unfortunate thing for the Pelicans, our friends over at 538, who are statisticians that I could never even dream of being, did 10,000 simulations for the NBA playoffs before they started to see... Who had the best odds of bringing home a championship and advancing from round to round? The Nets, out of 10,000 simulations, were the only team to never win a championship in all of the simulations. So I don't think they have a shot at taking home a finals title. Unfortunately, one of the Plumley brothers probably isn't going to get you a ring. But two! Two Plumleys, Three! Three Plumlees! Ah! 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 The count is here. Jesus, get out of here, count! Get out of here! Sorry, sometimes I enjoy organizing things, and I like them to be counted. So the count comes from here or there. But he left, so we don't have to worry about him anymore. Getting back to that, though, the Nets. Probably shouldn't have made it in the playoffs, and I don't think they're going to advance to the next round. They got in over the Pacers, who were without Paul George for almost all of the season, because if you remember playing for Team USA, he broke his leg after running into what's underneath the backboard, whatever it's called, I don't remember, but gruesome injury, and he came back for the last couple games for the Pacers and actually ended up hurting himself, his left calf, in the season's final game, a game that the Pacers had to win to get in, and they did not. That brings us to the Cleveland Cavaliers as the two-seed, finished 53-29, and 29, squaring off against the Boston Celtics as the seven-seed who finished 40-42 and 42 and also had no business making the NBA playoffs, even though they're under first-year head coach Brad Stevens, who you may remember from the NCAA tournament when he was with Butler and almost led them past Duke. He's done a great job with the team. They're just not there yet. And now they have to go up against the Cleveland Cavaliers, and LeBron James, who I don't think has ever lost a first-round series. For the Cavs, this obviously is the first playoff series for Kyrie Irving. It's also the first series for Kevin Love, who make up the big three of that team. Irving went for 20 points in the first half in Game 1, finished with 30 on 11-of-20 shooting. The Cavs won 113-100 to 100. The Celtics didn't go down without a fight, though. The Cavs pulled away for a 20-point lead, but Boston cut the lead to six at the end of the third. Unfortunately, Cleveland closed the quarter on a 9-0 run, kind of put the game away. Love had his double-double, 19-12. He didn't really play that great. He kind of got his points when the scrubs were in for both teams. But, hey, looks good on the box score gets the monkey off his back for his first playoff game. The Cavaliers should really have no trouble with the Celtics. Celtics should just be happy if they could take one game, maybe at home. But this series is going to be a quick one, and I don't think Cleveland will have any trouble advancing to the next round. That'll bring us to the Bulls and the Bucks. The Bulls are the three seed, 15-32 this season. The Bucks, 41-41, and probably one of the better stories this year in the NBA of course, losing their number one pick, Jabari Parker, to a torn ACL. They were god-awful last year. I think they had 15 wins. A league-worst, 15 wins at that. They end up winning 41 games and a playoff berth. They have the NBA's most improved defense. So Jason Kidd, who left the Brooklyn Nets, comes over to the Bucks little controversy as to him just picking up shop and leaving. The first coach in NBA history to lead a team to playoffs in consecutive years at different teams, so that's impressive for him and good to see for Milwaukee. Unfortunately for Milwaukee, Derrick Rose has returned for the Bulls. Missed a myriad of games this season. Knee injuries, foot injuries, hair injuries, whatever injuries you can imagine he had them. But thankfully for them, he's back. He's not necessarily like... Four years ago, Derrick Rose back, but still can do some things on the basketball court that you just don't normally see from an NBA player. Hopefully he can stay healthy for the Bulls because they are battling injuries as well all season. They just don't seem to have that team chemistry that they've had in the past to be one of the feared teams in the East. Because it seems like if anybody's going to come out of the East that's not named LeBron James's team, it would be the Bulls. They have a lot of talent. Joakim Noah's hair. I mean, there's some players that they have that are really good. Jimmy Butler has come out of nowhere for them. They have Michael Jordan's jersey hanging in the rafters, looking over them during their home games. Rose did have 23 points in game one for a 103-91 victory in Chicago. So it was good to see him back on the floor. Nice for them to get an opening game win. I think they'll move on in this series. It's just going to be a matter of, will they be able to come together at the right time to really challenge a team? And I don't necessarily see that happening this season, which is unfortunate, but I could be proven wrong. And last but not least, that brings us to the Raptors and the Wizards. The Raptors with a four seed, 49 and 23. The Wizards, 46 and 36. And what's interesting about this series is, for whatever reason... Toronto and Washington have now built up this big rivalry amongst both teams. And I guess they want it to be comparable to like the Lakers and the Celtics, the Red Sox and the Yankees. We hate the Raptors. We hate the Wizards. I don't know why this has happened. These teams aren't very relevant when it comes to the Eastern Conference. They have potential. You know, the Wizards, John Wall, one of the best up-and-coming point guards, the Raptors with guys on their team. There's potential there, but I don't see why there's this huge hatred at least that the Raptors have for the teams they end up playing in the playoffs. If you remember, last year the GM for the Raptors, whose name I don't know how to say, so I'm not going to say it here. Last year when they played Brooklyn in the opening round of the playoffs, he was at some rally that they were having before the game which I guess it's like a tradition now in Toronto, like, woo, team, we made it. He was giving a speech during the rally, and he just goes, fuck Brooklyn. And everybody was like, whoa, why? I mean, they went nuts in the crowd, like, yeah, death to tyrants. What, what did Brooklyn ever do to you? Brooklyn has barely been a team for that long. So he got fined $25,000 for that. And then coming into this year's playoffs, Paul Pierce, for whatever reason, It was at the tail end of his career. He just did a story with Jackie McMullen saying that, you know, without him and Garnett last year, the Nets would have been nothing. Darren Williams is no fire under him. The Nets would have crumbled to the ground without him. He's a great player. He should be compared to all these greats, doodly-dee, which is funny because he won one NBA Finals, and he needed Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen and a slew of other players to do so. He's been great at the end of games when you need a shot, but as far as being one of the best Let's relax, Paul. But anyway, during his quotes that he's been coming out with, aside from ripping past teammates and coaches and teams in that Jackie McMullen piece, he ends up saying that they, as in the Wizards, haven't really done well against Toronto, but they, as in the Raptors, don't really have the it to make the Wizards worried. It, as in the it factor, or however he was phrasing it, but they don't have it So, of course, at the rally before game one of the series, Mr. Toronto GM has to take the mic and address the crowd. And he picks up the microphone and says, I know everybody wants me to say something about Paul Pierce. To which the Raptors fans begin cheering, F Paul Pierce, F Paul Pierce. Yeah. Uh, maybe, you know, seven years ago, if he went to the Staples Center and the Lakers were playing against them, that's something you could chant. Or, you know, in the two finals, they played again. yeah, chant that. Now he comes off the bench. He plays like 20 minutes a game. What has he done to wrong you? Why is he your main focus? But anyway, the GM, of course, says, here's what I'm going to say about that. We don't give a shit about it! Woo! The crowd goes crazy! Boo Paul Pierce! Of course, the GM was fined $35,000 for that. 10000 more from last year's taunt. Unfortunately for the Raptors, they didn't use their motivation to beat the Wizards in Game 1. The Wizards win 93-86 in overtime. They had a pretty good lead, too. They were leading by double digits in the fourth, we'll put it that way. But, you know, it's the Wizards. So the Raptors come back. They end up tying it with like 27 seconds left. Send the game into overtime. And then I think they miss their first seven or eight shots in overtime. End up losing by seven. Fun fact of the game, Paul Pierce. Leading scorer for the Wizards, 20 points. Don't poke the bear, Toronto. But it's been an up and down season for both teams. This is a series I really don't care who wins. I really don't know who's going to win. Not a clue. I'm just going to give the edge to the Wizards just because I want the Toronto Raptors GM to shut up. All right, I've worked myself up too much. Let's end this thing. If you want to hear previous podcasts, you can check out my website, www.londonbridge.com. You can also follow me with that same handle on Twitter, at London Bridge. That's L-U-N-D-I-N-B-R-I-D-G-E. Also on my website, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes so you can get updates when the next podcast is up and running for your long commutes to and from work. Feel free to listen to The Bridge. You can also find this episode on SoundCloud and on Stitcher. Next week, we'll have more NBA to talk about. We may touch on a little bit of the NHL playoffs if there's nothing else going on. We'll hit on some baseball as well. And whatever else I happen to have up my sleeve here on the bridge, keeping you connected with all things sports.